When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand-new racing app for same-race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. And we're going to talk some cricket as the weather warms up and the Lambs take their first steps down here. The days get shorter and long English summer draws to a close up there. A summer, they're labelling the summer of bears. Okay, we might have just made that up, but it's probably not too far off considering that we're in the remarkable test summer England's men's cricket team have chalked up coming off a run of dire results alongside Ben Stokes. Baz has ushered in a new era in English cricket and one year out from an Ashes series, there's nothing more they'd love to keep than the Bears ball rolling. UK editor of ESPN Cricket Info, Andrew Miller, has been our cricket brain on the ground in the UK for a long time now. He remembers the days when Bears was just a humble breakfast radio host. Yes, I sure do too as well, Andrew. And he's with us now. Evening to you, Andrew. Good evening. How are we doing over there? Ah, we're doing well, mate. Firstly, obviously uh, a big week over in the UK. How's the morning going for for Queen Elizabeth? Not much else London would come to a standstill for. Yeah, yeah, it's been a rather surreal week. I mean, not least the, the test match. I mean, the fact that went on at all was was incredible, and uh, and that the, the, the scenes of that first morning with the national anthems and God Save the King and all the rest of it, it was uh, absolutely, absolutely spellbinding, to be perfectly honest. And and then the cricket. I mean, the cricket was just chaotic, uh, like it's been all summer. Mm. So um, no, it's been it's, it's been absolutely bewildering. But um, yeah, on on so many levels. But the cricket has yeah has blown blown my mind all summer. It's been brilliant. Andrew, tracing it back, you founded the Baseball Sane, you know, something you were very proud of after obliterating us in the Test Series early on in the summer. How about now? Are you still proud of Baseball? <laughs> I've created a bit of a monster there, haven't I? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, Baseball. Well, basically, I, I, yes, I, I must admit it is my fault that Baseball is, is a phrase at all. But uh, just to go back to the origins, I can't remember how much I talked about it when the last time I was on, but basically I, I just I, it came up with it because it was a prediction, essentially. It's like having seen what Baz could do, um, you know, when he was captain of New Zealand and what he already did to England's white ball team with the way that he re-energised them with his friendship with Owen Morgan. I kind of figured, well, there's no way they're going to appoint this, this bloke and, and not tear things up. And so it's almost it's almost like algebra. It's like what what is basball? Basball is x. X is an x is an unknown quantity. Let, let's do let's do a few equations and work it out. What what is x? X is is liberation after losing too many games. It's a, it's a it's getting rid of the fear of failure. It's it's uh, enjoying the game uh, fundamentally after the pandemic. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, and just not caring about losing, which is such a refreshing way to go into into such a you know the pomp and ceremony of Test cricket can get a bit overwhelming at times, and you know players can freeze when they 
when they miss when they're fearing about doing the wrong thing. But suddenly you got guys like Joe Root ramping sixes over over the slips and and Ollie Pope trying to trying to follow suit with the winning runs and hitting it up into his face and everyone falling around laughing. It's uh, it's been it's been liberating this summer, to be perfectly honest. It, it's taken a lot of the a lot of the heat out of Test cricket and and in so doing, actually made it more interesting. So I get a sense that the, the UK pundits, the cricket fans, are loving this little period that England cricket are enduring. Six out of seven tests, you've won. Like, you know, there's always been a result uh, on the table. They haven't gone for the, the boring old draw, and don't worry, don't get me wrong, draws are all part of test cricket, but you either go out, you swing for the hill, swing for the rafters, or you go out uh, trying, mate. And, and how have the UK pundits... Um, taken to this, like, and 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 Baz is so humble. I'm reading he just doesn't like to take any of the credit, but a lot of the credit has to go to him because you've always had the talent. Like all the talent have been there, but they haven't been able to unshackle themselves. Yeah, totally. I mean, what what he's what he's done, he he's just stripped away the ceremony. I mean, some of the things he's done, like his first meeting with the team was basically a meeting to say, right, we're not having any meetings, <laughs> and, that, and the team just looked at each other, what? And, and and all he does is, you know, he arranges if he's got a player to talk to. Zach Crawley, for instance, has been 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 in in a, in a bit of a bit of a trough, but you know, him and him and Stokes and Crawley. Had a, had a had a three ball uh, on the golf course and put the world to rights by by playing golf and uh, Johnny Bairstow got out uh, with a with a bad shot I think in one of the tests more recently and you know he went to his laptop like he used to do and analysed what he'd done wrong but as just came up slammed the laptop shut said come here mate sit down next to me don't talk about cricket at all you know th- th- these are things he's doing just to, just a, just a soft power that he's got in that dressing room to take away the nonsense that. That you know can get it. Cricket can get a bit hidebound. You know these guys are on the road twenty four seven, trying to win Test matches for for their country. And Baz has come in and say, "Yeah, it doesn't matter if you lose, just just as long as you're doing the right things." Um, and they're loving it. Andrew, how much credit is Christchurch's Ben Stokes getting for his captaincy? A lot. Uh, yeah, a huge amount. I mean, what what he's done, I think, is he has taken the message of Basball or whatever you want to call it. And taking it out of the field and is is running with it because again and this is this is where why why I was fairly confident this was going to work as a partnership was obviously way back in the 2015 Test match when Baz was captain at Lords and um, you know he was playing this brand of cricket where you keep attacking and don't care about losing just keep going for the win created an absolutely sensational Test match but the one guy who really caught the bug in that Test was Ben Stokes he scored the fastest hundred ever seen. In, in, a, in a test at Lords, he then went and broke the game wide open on the final day by bowling Baz himself for a first ball duck. Uh, and, you know, it was obvious that these two had a connection that was going to go beyond just, just the peripheral. And so, yeah, he's, he has loved having a guy in his corner who is, is willing to attack and willing to take chances. But his captaincy out in the middle has been, has been amazing. I mean, the, the first morning of the Lord's Test uh, against New Zealand, first morning of Bansball, essentially, um, half an hour into the game, I think two or three wickets have fallen, and suddenly you look down and Jimmy Anderson's got six slips. Six slips in the first half hour of a Test series <laughs> in England. I mean, it's oh, just like, it's so what, good. what is this? this it's like, it, it took me back it took me back to that Wellington route that you gave us in in the World Cup, you know, in the, in the cake team, when 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 Baz just went went for the juggler in exactly the same way. It's it, it, it's it's been spellbinding. 
Yep. Put the pressure on them, mate. Get surround them and start heckling. That's what they're doing over there. Hey, quickly, just just on the on the bowling attack, mate. I think you've got Ollie Robinson, who's who's bowling extremely well. But the other side, you got the old pundits that have been there for a very long time. You got Jimmy Anderson, and you got Stuart, Stuart Broad. Like they have reinvented themselves, mate. And you, you look too far away before Bears joined uh, the coaching rounds. They weren't getting those opportunities. They kind of f- fell out of favour. Now they're back in there, and they're bowling extremely well. So that side of things, you got the old guys really stepping up. Yeah, we certainly do. I mean, I mean, they have really benefited from this attacking ethos because a lot of what those two have done over the years is just go with the flow of whatever the prevailing mood in the in English cricket was. And a lot of the time it was it was very defensive, especially overseas. It's like, you know, pull their legs back, don't get driven, uh, go for one or two runs and over, try to kill people by by uh, you know, dripping tap method, which both of them are very good at. But actually, you know, they're the two leading steam bowlers in of all time now that Glenn Graz has been overtaken by by Broad. And that goes to show they take wickets. And so what this has done is it you know, trusting the fact that they are going to land the ball in the right place and trusting the fact that if they get the edge, there will be a six foot in place to take it or there will be a, a short cover or, or funky, ridiculous mid-ons that uh, almost under the batsman's nose. It, you know, ben, ben Stokes has really backed up his senior guys with the fields that will get them more wickets. And they've responded 29 wickets and 27 in, in a stellar summer for both of them. And, and Jimmy's 40. I mean, it, it beggars belief. But <laughs> both, of them, uh, both of them have said they are loving it more now. They feel younger and more energised by the mood in the camp than they, they have done for 10 years. So they carry, they carry that energy? Do they beat the Aussies? You know what? I've been wondering this. Now, it's, I, think, I, think, I think they've got a really good chance because, well, certainly at home, you know, Australia haven't beaten England at home since 2001. Um, you know, they drew 2-2 last time, but England, England haven't lost the Ashes on home soil in a long time. So I reckon they're, they're a good shout for that. Further down the line, though, is can this basketball win in Australia? Now, that's a bigger, bigger fish to fry. Obviously, we know they go down there and lose 5-0 every time. But what, what Brendan McCollum's tactics are doing here is basically saying, you know what, if I don't mind losing and I, I'm, I'm willing to gamble losing in order to create the chance to win, the chances are that England are going to steal one or two games against the head just by being aggressive. They'll probably lose two or three as well. So it probably comes down to a, a toss-up in, in, in the fifth test. You know, win one, win two, lose two. Who's going to win the third one? It might fail, but I don't think it'll be a failure of a, of a tactic. As, uh, in terms of how to win overseas, and you know, not just not just in Australia, but India as well. I don't see how this is a bad way to go about it. I mean, you know, look at look at how they almost cocked it up in the in the Oval Test just gone. You know, the first two innings lasted thirty six point two overs, which is ridiculous. But England scored one hundred fifty one runs at that time. South Africa scored one hundred eighteen. So you know, basically, England's policy is you know we're never going to lose wickets. We know we can't bat very well, but we can bat quickly. And if we if we bat as quickly as we can while the wickets are falling, we're going to get good runs on the board. And you know that's a really interesting and refreshing way to to look at a long-standing problem for England because you know previously they'd go and die in a hole, uh, get bowled out for fifty overs, but they only have one hundred and ten on the board. So what use is that? You'd like to think, Andrew, as well, that with being only the Red Bull uh, men's coach, hopefully there's a bit of longevity in this and his message isn't going to get tiresome fast and it kind of it extends it a little bit. Um, just completely away from that, I like to think that you've already had this conversation in your household. If Baz was a gin, what gin would he be? 
<laughs> oh no, man, there's there's a good one. He'd probably he'd probably be something. Um, what, a fruity, <laughs> fruity gins are banned in this house because because they really aren't gins. He'd have to have lots of juniper. In. You know, he is a real deal, but it'd have to be a sort of cutting edge, authentically modern gin. But it has to have lots of juniper because because you know he's he's a he's a proper test cricketer with hundred test caps and a triple century. You know, you, you can't you can't get away from the fact that this guy has been there, done that, and and has and has got a, a massive great distillery to prove it. <laughs> he has for sure. He's uh, we're expecting him to come home shortly, but I think he's got a <clears throat> sorry, I think he's got an Owen Morgan. A uh, little uh, benefit uh, show coming up, I'm pretty sure. So we'll get yes, back, right. back yeah. to place. Yeah, so that's <laughs> going to be a big event. All the rock stars will be rolling out the red carpet for Basball. I think so too. It's, no, it's been quite the talk <laughs> of the summer. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you coming on, Andrew Miller, talking about the cricket. Uh, we're very proud of him and seeing what he's been able to do, no doubt. The UK pundits, cricket fans are enjoying. I know Pierce Morgan is. He can't stop raving about him on Twitter. So appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much, Andrew. Great pleasure. It's such a good point, Izzy. Uh, Pierce Morgan's Twitter account, half Meghan Markle hate, half Baz love. What a strange Venn diagram. In the same breath. Yeah, so things, things Pierce Morgan tweets about in a Venn diagram, Baz, Meghan Markle hate. It's very strange. <laughs> oh, it's so funny watching. Oh, every time he he, he tweets, I just always go have a look and I go look at the articles. He doesn't mind biting back to all the haters too. And it's so good to just sit back and get the popcorn out. But mate, he loves it. He loves it. And why not? Six out of seven. You know that they're playing aggressive cricket. None of this. Let's just bat it out and savor a draw. You either win or you lose, mate. And six from seven. Oh, so question. Louis, do you hmm. think all the other formats are going to struggle? No. How do you think they have, they've always been strong in, in the twenty T Twenty game, the ODI? The Ben Stokes is obviously finishing the ODIs, um, but do you think they can continue on that? I don't uh, that form. I don't. I, I sorry. I do. Well, I do. I really do because you look at the trend in English cricket: the hundred T Twenty competitions. Uh, they got the Vitality yeah. Blast. They've got all of these star players playing in the IPL. Be- uh, we actually wanted to ask Andrew Miller about Johnny Bearstow, who's out for the T Twenty World Cup. But then you look at other players they've got across the board: the Sam Billings of the world, um, the Joss Butlers, these innovative T Twenty white ball strikers. Now the the speaking of distilling and and gin, haha. The the culture that Oh Morgan has distilled in that White Bull team that goes and runs deeper than him being there. This is like I think this will be like when Baz left the Black Caps. Kane and the crew managed to carry the baton. There are enough of those White Bull players, the Adil Rashids, uh, Mo and Ali's, those guys that are staying in there, the Johnny Bearstows that are staying in there um, to be able to keep that culture and keep that winning edge for the White Bull team. I'm not worried. I think the Red Bull, and this is what they knew, they had to get their Red Bull cricket right first, and they've done that through an unconventional way, a full-bodied, deep juniper gin, very strong, <laughs> Baz Bull the gin. Should we... Pattern it, Kempi? Stay off the gym. Yeah. Bears. Stay off the gym. Stay off the gym. I hate gym. <laughs> you guys oh, are emotional, guys. She gets, yeah, too she emo- gets emotional. Oh, ways, too mate. emotional, mate. <laughs> too emotional. Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> hey, just quickly, just quickly, on Johnny Bears, though. Man, what a story that is. Like, not so, about a year ago, he was struggling, and he was in poor form. 
and then Baz has gone over and love hearing that story. Shut his laptop. Don't worry about it. Come over here. Get your mind away from cricket and just, you know, patting him on the back, make him feel good, you know. And, and that's unleashed a quality batsman. Johnny Besto has been flying since Baz has gone over, and it's been an awesome story to watch. He's a Bellamy. He's a Bellamy of of cricket. You know what I mean? Like he can take those players and make them. How many times has Craig Bellamy done that in Melbourne, where he's pulled a player? out of nowhere and put him into a Melbourne team and the guys become an origin player or a, or an international, you know? So, um, geez, I'd love to get into Baz's head and just have a chat yeah, to him forget, about where, how, where and how he's done this. Forget Bellamy. I want to hear from Dave Rennie. Ah-ha. Mm. Ah-ha. He's on the phone. He's on the phone. I can, I can, I'll, just, I'll, I'll ring him back. I'll ring him back in five, eight. Oh, he's winding <laughs> up. Why is Dave Why is Dave Rennie walking to that fence over there? Oh, it's because he's going about to come off it. Yeah, as far as fighting rivalries go, not many have been more even or controversial throughout the years than Canelo Alvarez and Triple G's long-standing feud. Two of the best middleweights we've ever seen will lace them up for a third time since 2017 this weekend in Las Vegas. A fight many hope will produce another thriller, but a clear victor to settle the popular debate. Who is the supreme middleweight boxer? Kevin Ioli is everything fight sports based in the US, and he had the chance to sit down with Canelo yesterday to get some insight into the Mexican ahead of this match. G'day, Kevin. How are you, mate? I'm doing great. Had a chance with both Gennady and Canelo yesterday. It was a good day. Mate, can you give us um, the synopsis of the feud so far? Um, what were the first two results and why were they controversial? Well, the first result, 2017, uh, was a split draw. One judge had it for Canelo. One judge had it for uh, Gennady. The third judge had it even. So it came out a draw. And there really wasn't any um, problem between them after that fight, but it was the second fight that happened exactly a year later where the the bad feelings came up because in between, Canelo Alvarez tested positive for a substance called clenbuterol. Now, at that time, he said he ate contaminated meat, and the results were consistent with what he said, but clenbuterol was banned at the time, and you couldn't have any of it in your body. So they had to postpone the fight by the rematch by six months. Gennady was critical of Canelo, ripped him a lot for um, having done that. Canelo did not like it, and that kind of set off a war of words. Canelo won the second fight uh, by a split decision. Two judges had Canelo. A third judge had a, a draw. So that brings him to this one, which they're going for the, actually not the middleweight title, but now the undisputed super middleweight title. So the 168-pound title. And a lot of animosity between them. They don't like each other anymore. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be one of those things when their careers are over, they'll be able to be friends or not, because there is a <laughs> lot of bitterness between these two guys. Yeah, there is for sure. Mate, after his recent slip-up at light heavyweight, how badly does Canelo need this? And is, is this career-defining if he has two losses in a row? You know, I don't think it's career-defining. I mean, I you know he established himself at one point as the best fighter in the world. He has a huge track record of big wins and, you know, um, a lot of impressive performances. So I don't think it would be career-defining, but it would hurt him in terms of, you know, he wants to make history, and he's still talking about potentially moving up and fighting Alexander Usyk. And, uh, you know, even though everybody thought after he lost to Bibble, that talk was over. 
you know, it's not. I wow. don't think he's as public with mm. it now, but it's still something in the back of his mind. You know, he wants to make history and he wants to win big fights. And of course, he also wants to make a ton of money. And that's what he would do in a fight like that. So I, <laughs> I don't know that it, it would really hurt him in terms of his legacy, but it's certainly going to make it difficult. If he loses to Gennady Golovkin, you know, how, how do you go ahead and make a, a fight with, say, Usyk? Uh, after a loss to a light heavyweight and a loss to a middleweight moving up, it would be hard to do. Mate, he'd be better. He'd be best losing this fight than if he wants to step up against Usyk because he'd get a hiding, I reckon. But what is what has <laughs> Triple G been up to since his second fight? Is he still in his prime? Do you think? Well, he's forty years old, so I think that you know is probably he's still a really good fighter. But I think if he's lacking one thing that he had in his prime, would have been that quickness that hand speed and that foot speed that he had right you know he was always a really hard puncher and i think he still has that but he had a lot of quickness to go along with it and so it made him better because not only did he hit hard you know he got the punches off before guys could react to it and he's hurting them and then would end up finishing them and now i i think of the one concession to age i mean he looks magnificent i, I there's a lot of 20 year olds in the world wish they had the body that this guy does at 40 believe me but uh you know, he's, you know, he doesn't have that quickness anymore. And I think that that could be a factor in this fight. Oh, be interesting to see who, who goes, who wins. And is there any chance of a stoppage, my friend? And, and what about the judging? I know the judging has been a big, huge question mark over the last couple of fights. Are the judges going to be on the same page? <laughs> Let's hope so. You know, I mean, what I hope is that it is a finish so that we don't have that uh, discussion. So my recommendation on I do a betting column. And so my recommendation was to bet Golovkin by decision at plus 700. And the reason I said that was, you know, I think it's likely that Alvarez is going to win the fight. But it's he's too big of a favorite to lay that kind of money against a really good fighter in Golovkin. So I think Golovkin has a better chance than the odd ma- odds makers are giving him credit for. So I said, you know, if you go and you look and you can get Golovkin by decision, the first two fights ended by decision. A lot of people thought mm-hmm. he won those fights. And I thought he won the first fight. I thought the second fight was a draw. So I, I think it's a nice play. It's a gamble because I do think Canelo wins it. But I think you're playing the odds there and you're saying, hey, I, I'll bet uh, – you know, a little to win a lot as opposed to betting a lot to win a little. Mate, down here in New Zealand, um, triple, G to, a little. triple G to win isn't a little. He's eight bucks to win by decision. So thanks a lot for that intel. <laughs> That's real good. <laughs> hey, let's just take righty Andy Ruiz and uh, Dante Wilder have signed up for a scrap. Will that be a popular fight in the States? I think it's going to be hugely popular. Of course, Wilder has to win that uh that fight uh, next month for that to, to come off. But I think if it does, you know, you're talking two uh, former heavyweight champions, both with a lot of punching power, both who are really aggressive. To me, that's like the fight that people are going to love, right? And Deontay Wilder's a great trash talker. He knows how to sell fights. So I think you're going to look, if that fight does come through, I think people are going to love that one. And it's going to be an important fight in the division because at that point we'll assume that Tyson Fury has fought either Usyk or Joshua and so there'll be some movement. So now, you know, uh, some other fights that we would want to see um, will be able to happen as a result of that. But it's a good time to be a boxing fan because I, I think that there's more good fighters in the sport now. And I've covered it for 40 years than there been in a long, long time. I mean, not everything is perfect in the sport, but the talent in this sport is really good. 
You're dead right. You are dead right. There are some big matchups coming up. Hopefully, the AJ Fury in December. Our very own Joseph Parker taking on Joe Joyce next Sunday. Have you had Tough any intel for on Joe that? Parker. Yeah, what are you thinking? You know, I think Joe Joyce is so heavy-handed. Um, Joe's slow, but he's such a hard hitter. I, I, I think it's a tough fight for Parker. I, I like Joyce in the fight. Um, I'm not saying he's going to stop him. Uh, he could stop him, but I, I think Joyce wins the fight myself. Oh, you just and I like Joe us, Parker, one of the nice guys in boxing. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we appreciate you coming on and talking boxing. We're hoping, we, we're hoping to, diff, to beg to differ with your, your comments on uh, Joseph Parker. We are supporting him down here, and hopefully his speed and his work with Andy Lee can get him the job done. But I've heard big things about Joe Joyce. There's only one reason people avoid him, and that's because he can knock anyone out on his given right. day. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you so much, my friend. You got it, man. Thank you. Be well. Hey, is, did, you see, did you see the uh, the the banter between Joe uh, Joe Parker Joe Joyce? Oh yeah, they just winded each other up. Like, it was like a school, it was like come. a schoolyard uh, like schoolyard argument, you know. Where Joe's just Joe's basically just you know, oh shut your mouth. Like that type of <laughs> that type of talk. I was I was cracking up, going. This is the new Joseph Parker. He's starting to get mm. into the boxing game with his banter and his talk. So I really, mm. really hope he, he gets out there and delivers for us, man, because it would be cool to see him win. Oh, be so good. So good. And then this huge fight. We've got Adam Fahey, who is a boxing tragic, loves it, loves the sport. Morena Lads, huge value at G and GG. Triple G, TKO, KO, 10 bucks. Triple G moving up in weight will help him. Plus, every great fighter has one last performance in them. This is, for me, will be Triple G will go out on his shield to this fight, and he packs the power to KO Canelo. Great to hear Kevin on the waves. Adam Fahey, yes. So everyone's picking Triple triple G. Yeah. What are you thinking, Louis? Like oh, Canelo? Mate, oh. I'm looking at the value. I can get it. $1.14. There's zero mm. value there. Um you know, Golovkin, you've got five bucks just to win the fight straight up, and then you could take that eight on on decision or points or ten on knockout, whatever way you want to go, Adam or Kevin. So could be a little play there for some value on a Sunday if we have a fill-up at the races on Saturday. This guy might have the biggest mouth on the field. Well, we, he can talk some absolute rubbish with the best of them. But off it, he is a family man, a passionate man, and an advocate for what he deeply believes in. One of those things is Māori culture and language. This year, he had the honour of captaining the Māori All Blacks in his home city of Wellington, and during Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori, it's a big morena to TJ Perenara. Morena, Tej. Atamari, my brother. Atamari. But late this morning, eh? You sleep in a little bit, bro. Of course, supposed to be eight o'clock, eight o four. that's all right, bro. Typical, Round like roundabouts, bro. Roundabouts, okay? Just wait. Oi, eight o one. I'm sitting here waiting for Araha to do a beautiful news, and I get a. Are you still ringing? Oh man, I said. Do you want me to give you exact time? Apologize, apologize, my brother. Hey, hey, um. We appreciate you coming on, um, Teach, and um, and sharing us. Uh, we, we've got a new little part of our show 
that all we right. were doing, and we want to play the little opener for you before we rip straight into it, all right? Okay. Caring for our communities, out of the gym and off the park, working just as hard paying it forward to our next generation. This is More Than An Athlete with Izzy and Kempe. Yes, More Than An Athlete with TJ Perenara. Tej, honestly, we know what you do on the field. You do a fantastic job every single time. But it's, it's, we want to talk about more than the athlete, the things, the work you're doing outside of the rugby field, mate, off the field. We know you're an advocate and you're really um, deep into your journey into Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori, mate, this week. So special for you. I, I, yeah, uh, my journey within uh, Te Reo Māori, me Te Ao Māori, uh, started a few years ago now. Um, a big reason uh, was probably for, for my daughter, actually. I just didn't want her to have the same whakamā uh, that I had around Te Reo Māori and Te Ao Māori uh, that, that I had. You know, I always sort of shied away from it. And I know a lot of young Māori who didn't grow up with, um, with our real um, probably felt the same. So she was a big um, driver for me um, to start it. But then seeing other young Māori in the environment and other young Māori that I... Um, I, I guess I encounter um, showing them um, that you don't have to have the language or be brought up with the language to be able to, to be able to learn and to be able to um, find that identity within yourself um, through it. And, and it's not even through getting it right all the time, like showing um, myself getting it wrong and getting stuff, like putting myself out there and speaking to the Māori and then being corrected from it and showing people that it's actually okay. Like it's the, the trying and the, um, the willingness to learn um, is, is the biggest thing for, for our generation especially um, and if we can create that platform for, for, our, for our kids um, so that they, they don't go through what we went through and they're a step ahead of us I think that really rejuvenates the language for us um, as Māori What is the what is the most important part of the journey? Why is it so important to, to revisit and and uh, take this journey, TJ? For me or in general? For you. Um, for me, it's, it's my my identity. It started with my daughter and like giving her that platform, but um, the most important bit for me is um, knowing a half of myself that I, I didn't know and that I shied away from for, for so long. So... So through my journey, um, I started to discover parts of myself and like feelings that I would have um, around Te Ao Māori that I couldn't explain in Te Ao Pākehā um, that are slowly starting to, to become, I guess, second nature to me now. Um, but for, for the wider for the wider group and for more than me, um, language is identity. Um, if, you, if you lose a language, whatever race it is, whatever culture it is, once a language is gone, that's the start of losing the culture itself, you don't have anything to fall back on, you don't have a way to reconnect back to your tipino or your ancestors um, through your language, so uh, it's not just about um, the people of today, it's about um, the ability for, for Māori for generations to come um, to be able to call it a Māori back and to whakapapa Māori back um, to who we are now and who we were before as well and without our language um, it gets lost because a lot of the translation into Te Reo Pākehā uh, from Te Reo Māori um, doesn't actually translate to what it what it is, you know, the essence the essence of what um, Te Reo Māori is. Mm. Teach the, the the fears, the the apprehension, uh, you know, apprehension of going yep. on this journey. Journey was there any? Oh, 
Oh, heaps, heaps. Like, it, and it started from from when I was a kid. Like, um, I, I didn't go into kapaka. I didn't go into marae. I didn't go into Maori classes. Any time I heard te reo Maori being spoken, I would um, I would shy away from it and be scared of it. And then going on to the journey um, into te reo Maori, um, there is that whakamaro, especially when you're around other te reo Maori speakers, um, you feel that shame of, oh, I don't know who I am, I don't know um, our language. Um, and it's easy to to stay in that comfort zone of not learning. Um, but I just I just hero people and I, I like like want to push the people like to get uncomfortable in that space because the the growth that you get from it um, is, is so much more valuable than that little whakama that you feel from saying it could be wrong or from um, not knowing a little bit about your marae or where you're from um, but the learning you get is, is massive bro atu, um, ou whakaro, um, mm. TJ what, what about I watched you this year on TV um, with a mihi uh, directly Aye. after the game, what? Why? Aye. Why is that important? Like, can you explain that to the viewers that have seen you mihi straight away to to the the people when they talk to you on TV? Um, yeah, for for a number of reasons, it's important to me. It's important um, because I am Maori um, and I want to I want to speak Maori um, and any opportunity I get a uh, any chance I get an opportunity to. Uh, so that's first and foremost. But secondly. We're privileged enough that rugby um, has a platform um, in New Zealand that, that people view, and I want um, to use this platform to, to promote Te Reo Māori, and I want, to, I want young Māori who, who speak the language and who don't speak the language to be seeing Te Reo Māori being spoken um, in a sport and in an environment that they love. Um, and sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes in my mihi um, I might pronounce a word wrong or I might... Um, yeah, I, I might get part of my mihi wrong, but I also want those young kids to see that and to be like, man, it's okay to go on any any platform, regardless of if I'm having a one-to-one conversation or if I'm um, having a corridor on live television. For me to get that wrong and to show it's okay and then to continue to do it, I think um, will give confidence to people to go through their journey too. I think that's the biggest key there, Tej, is, is vulnerability because myself you know like you don't want to get it wrong because uh how uh you know how how ripped apart you will get from from people but the reality is it's opposite isn't it it's it's opposite you want to see more people trying and and giving it a crack i i agree and i think there still will be people who there's negative people in every walk of life so when you get it wrong there, there will be people who come out and criticize you and do that but those aren't the people who matter bro the majority of people um well, everyone, I think, who wants the rejuvenation of te reo Māori will totoko that, bro. We'll, we'll support yeah. everyone's journey, like no matter what level you are at, and we'll be proud that people are putting themselves out there to, to get better at it because they know that in the long run, the more of us who try um, te reo Māori and kōrero Māori, um, it's only going to help uh, our language grow. Yeah, for sure, mate. We appreciate you coming on. T-Jump, you are a big leader in the community, and you... If there's one person that does so much for his whānau and his people, it's TJ Pedernara. So what else are you doing, mate? What else you got going on apart from playing for the Wellington Lions <laughs> and going to get a hiding when you take on the Magpies? What else are you doing? <laughs> um, I think a, a big one for me, obviously, is whānau now. Uh, I've got a, a young girl. Yeah. She just started uh, Kohangareo. Um, her first day was on Tuesday, so she's in day three today. Uh, and She's loving that, so a big part of my time into, into Kohangareo. 
Um, and then with in the rugby community out in Porirua, I was fortunate enough to play um, some more games for North um, this year and just trying to give back to our to our youth out um, in Porirua uh, within rugby. Um, but then on top of rugby, I want to be giving back to our, our community in Porirua um, and showing, because a lot of people, um, especially when I was growing up, used to say, like, can't wait to get out of Porirua. Um, and like had like so people from Porirua had this negative mindset on on the place that I love and the place that I call home. But so trying to show people mm. the reason we get to where we are is because we are from Porirua and like taking mm. like that pride from being where we are. There's so many people and athletes and um, successful business men and women who have who've come from uh, where we're from. So harnessing that and nurturing that and showing pride and uh, and where we come from is something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, that's the most important thing, eh, TJ, is not to forget where you come from. I was just talking to my mate this morning uh, who reminded me of that once again. Um, mate, have you thought about post-football, like what your life looks like and where you can take, I guess, your, your te reo, um, your mātauranga o te ao Māori um, into, into different realms and, and support people? Um, I haven't thought massively on it, but it is definitely something that, that I want to do. I want to, um, I'd love to be fluent in te reo Māori and be a lot more knowledgeable in te ao Māori. That is, um, that is a personal goal for me, but then to um, take the learnings that I've had and the journey that I've had and then help other young Māori, um, even non-Māori, but people who want to speak um, te reo Māori um, through their journey and like create some sort of platform to, to guide that and help that. Um, is something that I'm really passionate about and something that I'd love to do. Beautiful, mate. No matter what you do, that waha will get you some places, so just keep doing what you're doing, my friend. And I'll always be on time, bro. I'll be on time. (laughs) You will always be on time. And, uh, well, if someone never lets it go and we'll remind you of it, it's TJ Pinata. Quickly, quickly before we let you go, Teach, we appreciate you coming on and and talking to us about your journey. But uh, you're playing some ITM Cup, mate. How are you enjoying being back in, in the Wellington Lions? Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, bro. Like, um, it's an environment that I was in for the first time about a decade ago now. Um, so to be in here um, around some some really good young players, we've got some really good experienced players here as well. Um, it's been it's been awesome, bro. Just being out there, being able to uh, ball out and uh, express myself. Um, it's been fun, man, and I'm really enjoying the footy that I'm playing. And like you said, we've got an awesome challenge ahead of us uh, this week, which will be good fun. I'd like to applaud you on the way you've carried yourself, TJ, because a lot of people, when, when they obviously miss selection, drop their heads, go back to ITM, think they're too good, mate, but not my good friend. He goes back and he holds his head high and, and, and helps the next generation, TJ Piranara. You're one of the good guys, mate. I appreciate you, you coming on, Teach, and uh, you, sharing your mihi and your journey. Thank you so much, yeah. brother. Awesome, brother. You take care, eh? and anytime you need me, bro, just give me a call. Legend. TJ Peranara, one of the good guys, and uh, yeah, he's always a text away. He's right there, doesn't say no. Just yep, what time? I said eight o'clock, but I should have said eight o five. So <laughs> five past eight. Typical half, typical <laughs> halfback, eh? You know, you're always on time, like barking at you. You know, you told me eight o'clock, mate. Don't be late, um, mate. It was a really warm. It was a really warm heart, like really heartfelt conversation with TJ because I can resonate with a lot of the things that he's saying about when you're caught at or Māori, you are always worried about saying the wrong things and being corrected, yeah. you know, and 
for me, and I've been an advocate of this, it's, it, it is really important to do that, but it's also really important to continue to um, express your your want to talk and, and speak in the language of te reo. Um, yeah, and, and don't be afraid. Like TJ said, don't be afraid and, and, and encourage people, whether they are Pākehā, whether they are Māori, to, to, to kōrero. And I think how TJ articulated that was really heartwarming that he, 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 at the end of the day, what he wants to do is be confident in himself, but more importantly, say to everyone, it's okay, you know, let's really ex- um, enjoy this language. And, and that's what this week's all about. It's, it's fantastic to hear, you know, that, that attitude within his voice too. Is he what you just said? Mm. Like you said, you know, you, yeah. you want to pay re- um, your respect to him, which I think is a great thing because he has come out after a really tough time and, and missing out on the All Blacks. And just picked it up again and ran with it. You know, it just says so much about his character. Most competitive pl- player I've ever played with, TJ Pedernada. Most competitive anything, mate. Honestly, cards, you play snap. He's a really good basketballer. <laughs> honestly, he's really good basketballer. And we used to go down and I used to back myself with the old fadeaway and things like that. But he'd just carve me up, man. He has got some hops, got some handles. Oh, man, he's a talented man. But I really love it. And just that pick up from we talked about his vulnerability. Mm. Kempi, that is the biggest worry for many Māoris out there where they don't want to get it wrong, you know, don't want to be vilified and and being ripped apart, but um, him being vulnerable there and saying, look, he's going to make mistakes, and it's okay. You know, a lot of, a lot of Māori will totoko that and, mm. and help you along with that. So, yeah, awesome to check out what you know what TJ Pirinata is doing off the field, um, outside of his life, behind the athlete, and um, it's awesome. It's yeah, awesome. Definition of more than an athlete, he is going to be A-OK post his playing career and do some very cool things, helping a lot of Māori, but also Pākehā in that space. Around the grounds. Let's rip through some of these boys before we get to we have to get to our favourite clips of the day, right? So we've got to rip through these. All Blacks are Australia, Marvel Stadium tonight. You have both made your selections, which were Kempe 4015, Izzy 3015, both on the All Blacks. Uh, LA Chargers versus Kansas City Chiefs. Tomorrow's 1215 Thursday night football arrowhead. Chiefs. Yeah. Chiefs, Kansas- mate. The way that Patty Kansas- Mahomes hit the ground. Wow. Yeah, Kansas City. Taranaki Manawatu, seven tomorrow night. Ooh, every day of the week, mate. Every day. a Jew one. Manawatu a Jew one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Taranaki. Taranaki. Up the turbs. Hawks Bay Wellington, Saturday night, seven pm. McLean Park, Napier. They, but they can't get beat at Hawks Bay. They're on fire. Oh, Kimpy, what have you done? Sorry, mate. Don't you stop my magpies, please. I'm going Hawks Bay. Hawk. <laughs> Hawks Bay. Hawks Bay magpies, man. Like, they did right, Kempi. Bit of a fortress. Maggie's heart. Righty-ho. Kempi, Eels Raiders tomorrow Ooh. night. Comeback Stadium, Parramatta. Mate, I don't, I don't think it really matters about next week. I think it's a foregone conclusion. But, mate, can the Eels get up after that epic, epic battle? Does he play all on Mitchell? Mitchell doesn't play Raiders. Okay. Is he? Is he, pl- is he pla- like, is how, how? What do you reckon, Kempi? Oh, Moses. he's named, but, mate, yeah. they could rule him out still. Oh, I'm going to go... Raiders. All right, rapid fire yeah, Raiders. We've got two more. Yep. Sharks, rabbits. Sharks. Sh- rabbits. Ooh. Canelo, Triple G. Ooh. Triple G, eight bucks. 
Canelo. <laughs> 3 p.m. Sunday, T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. Kevin Ioli joined our show earlier to chat about that. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30 a.m. for a limited time only.